happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to It Could Happen Here. Joining me again for this second part of a two-parter uh, are sherry and Sprout from the Black Flower Collective in Aberdeen, Washington, as they've joined us to discuss the dichotomy between urban and rural political organizing. Last we spoke, they gave us some background on exactly how the Black Flower Collective began and what sort of motivating factors they have been in their development as an organization, as well as some of the dichotomies that they've uh, experienced between urban and rural political organizing. Now we're going to take a moment to explore some of the material, some of the other material conditions that they have faced uh, in their city, or rather in their small town. Sherian? As we were talking about in the last episode, there's a huge difference between the modes of socialization um, in big cities and then versus small towns like our own, you know, here we socialize more like in our houses, you meet friends at, at the homes of other friends' houses where in the, you know, bigger cities, it's more so that, you know, you, you went to a club, you went to an event, concert, class, what, what have you. Um, and the, these are definitely things that have like evolved and developed based on the, uh, you know, just different material con- conditions. Uh, like, you know, there's not as many classes around here and, you know, events and stuff like that. Cause a people just don't have the money to go to them and B there's nobody has the money to really put them on or, you know, any of that's uh, startup capital. Uh, there's not enough money coming through the town. That's why the far right are always trying to push this homeless narrative because they're trying to make like turn this town into like a tourist town or something, which makes no goddamn sense to me. There's nothing in this town to come here for. (laughs) But like the only reason you're coming to this town is because you're driving through here to go to the ocean. That's it. 
like the highway dumps out here and then it's old highways back to the rest of the ocean. Sounds pretty isolated. It, it can be pretty isolating out here, um, but it doesn't disconnect us from the overall struggle. Uh, throughout our organizing, we've discovered that there's a lot of things that we can do for urban comrades through our mutual aid. Uh, for example, rural people can do anything that is virtual, such as graphic design or web support. Uh, we can also offer up rural spaces for rest and recuperation for frontline activists in urban areas. Uh, while we may not be present in the heat of battle, we can make our isolation a strength as often people abused directly by the system require peace and solitude or to recover from such trauma. Uh, that makes we sense. can also use our local networks to, to identify enemies and report this to the wider radical community. Out here, there is a huge number of, uh, out here and in the Pacific Northwest in general, there's a huge number of white supremacist and neo-Nazi militias and uh, organizations. And so they generally organize in small towns like Aberdeen. You see a lot of that here. And so people living in those towns bear the responsibility, we think, of uh, reporting on the activities of those groups to the wider community. Because a lot of times what you see is, you know, it's kind of like the police coming in from the suburbs. The extremists often come in from the outlying rural areas, either in protest scenarios or, uh, you know, usually in protest scenarios. We saw a couple instances in which our local right-wing neo-Nazi group uh, went out to Chaz and was filming videos out there and uh, collecting information for their organizing back here. So we can also be doing the same throughout the interim and collecting information on those groups for our comrades in urban areas. Right, right. That sounds like some really viable and potent ways to, to build that sense of urban rural solidarity. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, people out here that need um, so some notes ta taken on them. Um, for example, during the height of the uh, 2020 protests, um, there was a small solidarity protest um, that was essentially just five women that, you know, holding a couple signs and which resulted in a line of reactionaries and their assault rifles, the, you know, the harassing and threatening this very small group of women of, you know, if, if the, it's saying how Antifa was coming to the town and they were going to burn the town down and all this stuff. Um, you got people like in uh, in Walla Walla, for example, you have uh, Henry Contrera, who um, utilizes what uh, uh, connections and whatnot that, that he has out there to like call other white supremacists um, around the nation and essentially be like, hey, you know, move here. We'll get you a job. We'll get you a house. We'll get you all set up. Just come here and organize with us. And we kind of have our own version of that here in uh Aberdeen with uh, Cash McCollum, a uh, the leader of the uh, Pacific Northwest Wolf Pack, our local neo-Nazi group, and people like that. I think it's not just them; it's a whole gr group that that uh, they're a whole social setting that uh, follows them, and 
us being in rural communities are going to have the best opportunity to keep tabs on that kind of stuff and warn the wider community. Right. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely vital. And, you know, one of my questions that I'd prepared uh, in coming to meet with, with you all, uh, I was going to ask actually, you know, how can we avoid uh, this sort of idea that a lot of people have in their heads, a lot of radicals have in their heads, uh, the, sort of the distant commune trap, you know, this idea that, uh, you know, radicals, they move out to the country, they set up their happy little commune, it either falls apart, turns into a cult, or just like pulls away from the broader struggle. But it seems like in some ways, uh, y'all have been able to utilize that distance as a sort of a strength. Um, and you've spoken quite a bit about how rural communities, different ways they've been able to help uh, urban communities in the broader struggle. Uh, but now I guess I want to turn the turn the tables a bit and ask uh, what sort of ways urban radicals can support uh, the struggles within rural communities? Well, one way that we've seen a lot of solidarity from urban comrades has been in the topic of harm reduction. Uh, it's really hard to access services out here where we're at. Uh, there's really only one player in town and they are highly bureaucratic and the line to get any sort of social service from them is a mile long. So also fun can... notes, uh, that Cash McCollum person I talked about earlier is on the board for the, that social service as well, as long as, as well as other people who are part of the SOAP group. Yeah. So we've seen a large um, show of solidarity from urban comrades sending us harm reduction supplies such as Narcan, which has literally saved dozens of lives since we started that program. Healthcare in general is a, is a tough issue for rural areas. Uh, transportation distances, lack of providers, lack of services, all of those things compound to make it really difficult to get uh, appropriate healthcare, and so anytime anyone has any actual injury in town, they they just send them to Seattle. And like, our hospitals out here are really terrible, and so um, training I think would be a really vital need that we could benefit from a lot out here if we could get these sort of medical collectives and the harm reduction collectives that exist in these more urban areas to conduct rural training workshops i think that that would be a huge benefit to not, you know not only just aberdeen but any rural area that that was to take place in because that would allow those communities to start employing harm reduction and general first aid in their communities and prevent transportation out to these more metro areas yeah, the more we could do skill shares, the more we could do workshops, the more we could do radical classes or anything under the idea of kind of unschooling um, that we could do for rural communities is in, imperative because the outside of high school, unless you're going to college for something specific, there's just not much for learning out here. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. 
obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What about the next generation? What about that uh, site of struggle in education? Well, I I believe Sprout could probably uh, delve into this a bit more, but I definitely would say that our ideas for you know, education is, is in the next generation as much as everything kind of goes under this. Uh, I, I forget um, the name of it, but it's this idea of the like uh, seven years generation um, in, in our planning and the like, what what would this look like for the next uh, next seven generations? Right. Seven generations, sustainability or seven generation stewardship is another term used. I think education uh, is central to a community. It's really the same sort of, you know, you're going to get the same answer with all of these healthcare, addiction, poverty. They're all interrelated out here. And because education is so crucial, we have focused the Black Flower Collectives initiatives on a lot of educational programs. So we're trying to get this space set up so that we can start having some uh, revolutionary coursework that we can offer there. We would really like to develop it into a real campus for learning, um, both for uh, youth programs and for like continuing education, uh, GED and college level kind of stuff. We think that the unschooling method is pretty cool, um, where people can kind of just pace their own learning and decide what it is they want to learn. 
so that's the method that we would go with. And we think that that allows for a lot more diversity in the styles of learning that are employed. And through that, you can kind of learn, you can kind of learn new ways of learning, I guess, um, which helps add resilience to any community. And I think that a lot of those skills offered at a place like that, like like Sherry, I was saying Skillshare. I think a lot of that could come from will need to come from urban communities because we don't have a lot of that out here of our own. Right. So hopefully, right. when we get our when we get our space set up, we can host all manner of gatherings and start bridging that divide between the rural and the urban. Yeah, and I mean, I've been learning more about your space, a uh, little bit of research on it. Um, you know, prior to the episode when we stood first started talking. Very inspiring stuff, very much in the vein of something that I plan on doing uh, locally here in Trinidad and Tobago. Let's pretend that this is, uh, let's pretend this is a revolutionary version of Shark Tank, right? Like, let's just pretend this is an anarchist Shark Tank. Uh, give me your, your, your elevator pitch for this space. Like, what is the plan there? Okay, our plan is twofold. The property would be divided into two separate sections. The public facing section would be dedicated to the social center we've been speaking of. And the rest of the property would be what we're calling an eco village where residents would live. Uh, the social center will be where we centralize community resources and the self-governed eco village would have immediate access to those shared resources. Uh, the plan is to run the social center as a bit of a small business incubator for various community initiatives that we've been talking about and as well for the residents of the eco village to start their own small personal businesses because uh in our discussions with people on the streets you know everyone has a, an idea of how to make money and it's just always some small uh barrier like paperwork or permits that gets in the way of them starting to to have their own income and that sense of independence. Uh, so we want to be able to help with that. Uh, it would also obviously be a central hub for preparing and serving food, which has been the basis of all of our organizing so far is the coming together and sharing of meals. Uh, we want to have an internet cafeteria and a community kitchen there. Uh, we would also host hold space for the mutual aid network to store supplies and conduct its work both on and off-site. Uh, we want to have enough space to have a meeting hall for uh, potential unions and start pushing on the unionization locally with the IWW. All of these spaces would be rentable to the public. So the union hall, for example, would be a great venue for an event that someone wanted to throw or perhaps a wedding even. And so that could be one source of revenue for the social center, as well as the bookkeeping, the backend bookkeeping services that we're going to have as part of the business incubator and the permaculture design services that we're going to have as part of the eco village. It really sounds like a lot of the different ideas that I've had converging on my channel for some time now. You know, this idea of a sort of a library economy, you know, this idea of the eco-villages, the sort of permaculture spaces and 
moods and centers of community outreach and education. I'd be lying if I uh, didn't say, say that, uh, that we're, we're a huge fan of your channel, actually. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And I'm honestly, uh, in turn, this project is something that really inspires me as well. And, yeah, you know, I'd like to say that none of this is from us. We've taken so much inspiration from other projects uh, to cobble together this plan um, that, yeah, it's been a real joy to to just go through all of everyone else's different content and kind of see like, oh, this could fit with that and this could fit with that and come up with a plan that we really think could start to solve some of these issues that we're seeing in town. Right. I think that's the real... One of the few beauties of the internet these days, you know, the fact that it's still able to connect people and ideas uh, from all over the place. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask, as you mentioned, these sort of eco-villages and that, that, that whole idea, uh, having spaces for housing um, and benefiting the people in that community, developing that sort of sense of interdependence. Uh, I wanted to you know, you can't really talk about urban and rural, rural and urban without bringing up the fact that urbanization, you know, seems to ever crawl into the rural space. You know, like there's always this sense of the encroachment of the city on the surrounding rural regions. Um, what, do you, what, what is your take on that? Uh, yeah, it does seem to be a one-way street. I think the uh, model that we're trying to push is one of degrowth, where you would see sort of a, a reversal of that trend of gentrification or urbanization. And you would see more of uh, like a ruralizing of urban spaces to start uh, having more green spaces, more growing of their own food, um, and more production of agricultural products right there in the urban centers. Right. You know, which is kind of what we want to do with the eco village is provide a bit of a model for how uh, a community organizing, uh, of how a community could organize itself around ecological principles. Prefigurative politics in action. Exactly. Another note uh, that I I guess I want to bring up before we start to come to the clues is, you know, again, we've been speaking a lot about the urban and the rural. But one element, uh, except in a, you know, sort of a passing sense of our discussion of the police, one element that's kind of been lost in that and that I know people might be asking about is what about the suburbs? You know, like, do you see a space for organizing there? Um, where does that fit into that urban rural dichotomy? Um, what sort of focuses do you think suburban organizers might want to tackle? Well, I think uh, suburban comrades are probably going to, uh, have a bit of both worlds as it were because they're not in the downtown core of a city where most protests or sites of struggle happen but they're also not out in the boonies uh, in a rural environment so you know they might have police that are a bit more preoccupied with the actual community and actually from the community And so they might need to take some lessons from the rural center or from the rural areas in that regard and try to diversify their group into 
multiple different roles, multiple different channels, so that they aren't having continuous backlash against a group that's just trying to feed the homeless. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they have a lot of resources that rural people don't have access to. And so they could be coming into rural areas and providing those same sort of trainings and workshops that urban comrades could. And they could also be going into urban centers and learning and providing workshops and skill shares in those scenarios. I think they're kind of a, maybe play a bit of a, a buffer zone between the two. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what does the future look like for Black Folk Collective? You know, what projects are you planning on tackling in the here and now, a couple months from now, a few years down the line? And how can folks support? Well, right now we are definitely focused on securing funding. Um, the housing market is horrible. Property price prices are going up. And when there is a good deal on something, it, it's gone usually within a day, within hours. Uh, so we are de- definitely full focus on fundraising right now. We need to have the money on hand to be able to jump on a piece of property when it comes up because we need a good deal and we need a good amount of land to make sure that we have the room to grow and build various projects in the future. 
Uh, yeah, so the projects that we're focusing on right now immediately is the um, permaculture design services. And so if anyone wants to have us design their farm or garden or house or balcony, um, they can go to blackflowerpermaculture.noblogs.org and uh, get started through that process there. Um, hopefully, once we get land, as you were saying, in the next five years, the, the permaculture design services can grow into a, a permaculture design course that we could actually start offering people to come and do like a two-week intensive study on the building techniques that we're using on site in the eco village and on how to apply those back at home. Um, another project that we're currently working on is the bookkeeping. Uh, this is sort of the bedrock of the business admin side of things that we're going to be folding into the business incubator once we get that going. Um, and we are looking into a couple different grants for that. But as Sherry and said, you know, right now we're focused on fundraising. So we are, we do have a couple different platforms that we're collecting donations from, and we are starting to plan a few uh, benefit shows here locally in Aberdeen. So if anyone is in a band and wants to roll through and, and play a show for us, you know, that would be much appreciated. And they can, they can just get a hold of us through our website. So our role in Black Flower is trying to spread awareness, help with this fundraising, give them kind of free advertisement uh, in, in order to help their growth. Um, Mean Sprout and our podcast Molotov now are from the Sabo Media Collective, which once things are going with, good with Black Flower, we're hoping to be housed by them to help uh, grow our media efforts. But uh, if another good way to help in supporting Black Flower is to go go to our website at sabo s a b o t media um, dot noblogs dot org and share our podcast Molotov Now. Check us out on social media on whatever social media you f uh, are on from Collectiva Mastodon to F Facebook at Aberdeen Local thirteen twelve. Uh, we have articles that we write on the Harbor Rat Report and a whole host of other content uh, for people to check out and share with donation links that all go to Black Flower's efforts. That's fantastic. Uh, and I would encourage folks to check out what they're doing uh, and all these different platforms. And well, that's been it for It Could Happen Here. It's been great to have you both from Black Flower Collective. Uh, I've been your host for... Today, Andrew of the YouTube channel, Andrewism, which you can follow uh, youtube.com slash Andrewism on Twitter at, at underscore St. Drew and on patreon.com slash St. Drew. All power to all the people. Glad to have you all. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being on. Thank you, guys. Great recording with you. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening.
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.